For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Spotify. You can get thousands of podcasts for free on Spotify, including ours, as well as a bunch more of the most popular news and politics shows. Go beyond the clickbait with daily news shows, midweek roundtables, and weekly wrap-ups of what's going on. To listen to Spotify, just open the app, tap search, type in your favorite show name, and get streaming. Download the free app today and start listening to podcasts on Spotify. Hi, it's Winter Brienne, and you're listening to A Cricket Conversation. Today on the show, I had Cleo Barnett of Amplifier Art join me to talk about the impact that art has on community and the intersection of art and politics. Thank you so much for being here today on your birthday. Yes. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Okay, so to get started, I do want to just first start off with asking you about your childhood and the influence of like being from New Zealand and the art scene about all of that. Okay. Yeah. So I was born in New Zealand and I immigrated to the United States when I was about eight years old. And I think that really shaped me because I was actually reflecting on this the other day. I was in like first grade and I remember them telling us all that we needed to do the Pledge of Allegiance but we could choose if we wanted to do it or not do it. Here or in, in the, New Zealand? In, in the United States. Okay. And so I, that was my first like act of political protest. I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'd never do it. Um, but yeah, living in New Zealand has definitely shaped me. There's a really thriving art scene there, and it's where I started doing public art. Okay. Yeah. That's when I first met you, there was this like, I don't know, I wish you guys were here right now. There's like this aura that Cleo brings everywhere she goes. She's very, I don't know, it's like a calming spirit. I feel Mm -hmm. like you're so, like you're very in tune with like what's going on and like aware of the space you take up. And so I kind of wanted to go into um, talk about you went to school for art and public policy mm-hmm. here in mm-hmm. NYU. Mm-hmm. Did that, um, was that the first time you kind of saw the meddling between art and politics? And where do you see that intersection between art and politics lie? So when I moved back to New Zealand when I was 17, I was studying international business and political relations, like poli sci. Yeah. And through that experience, I saw just, you know, how history continues to repeat itself all over the world. And that's when I started doing art because I I felt that by bringing art into public space and providing platforms for people to share their art in public space, it was really empowering. And it, it kind of fixed what was broken with democracy, which is access to public space to share your ideas, to learn more about what's happening in the government. Um, and so, but by doing that, through about five years, I did over 500 events. I organized outdoor fashion shows, outdoor music festivals, street art campaigns, and it finally clicked that I was totally feeding into gentrification. 
Oh, and wow. and I was so blind to it because in the beginning it was just so empowering to be able to like yeah. share my voice, provide platforms for other people to share their voice because we don't really get very many opportunities right. to do that. Um, and so when I learned that what I was doing was directly um, feeding into gentrification, that's when I applied for my master's degree really just to take a pause and a break and to look more critically about how I was impacting the world around me. And so I moved from New Zealand to New York and I took a year out to study how art can be used to shift public policy. Um, and that was a really empowering experience. I didn't necessarily come away with any answers. Okay. Because <laughs> it's pretty complex. <laughs> right. Um, and but a week after graduating is when I got um, kind of poached to help start Amplifier. Yeah. So, I mean, going into Amplifier, our Amplifier Art is an organization based out of Seattle. Yeah, we're a national organization, but we're but based. It's a, yes, a mm -hmm. national organization based out of Seattle that serves as like an arc incubator mm -hmm. I would, of sorts. Um, and the art produced within Amplifier has been like seen across the globe mm -hmm. from Women's March, the We the People campaign and March for Our Lives. What, um, how do you see Amplify Art and like what's the structure? Like how do they do what they do? So we really see ourselves as back end support to front end movement builders. Um, so, you know, we build media experiments to amplify the voices of social movements. So we really see what are the most important social movements of our time and how can we support them by commissioning artists directly impacted by the social movements themselves and how can we get this artwork out into public space to shift culture? That's pretty dope. I mean, I remember seeing, I mean, out at the Women's March and the Women's Convention, you guys did a whole art installation in Detroit. And I mean, it was so powerful to be able to see like things sometimes words can't get across portrayed in another medium where it's like understood by everyone in that space. Mm -hmm. um, talk about the idea of like art being a language like mm -hmm. that crosses all sorts of barriers. Yeah, I mean, I feel like something that's so powerful that I don't know anyone who can do it better than artists and designers is taking something really, really complex, layered in history, layered in trauma, and they need to distill this complexity into something really simple, a couple words, an image, and it needs to be beautiful and it needs to allow people an entry point to dig deeper into something that is really, really layered and complex. Yeah, and so, that's, I mean, that's just so interesting. Me, I guess I don't consider myself like a visual artist at times, but I see how my life, and especially in schooling, I mean, I just graduated, how much art is being incorporated into schools and stuff now. Mm. When you're looking at different art in the art that I feel like, are you the one who kind of like approves art that's going to be published? What are you looking for? something that's really clear and easy to understand um, because we often our artwork historically our artwork's been seen in the street or it's up in people's cafes or businesses and so the idea is that you know it's following kind of the formula of advertising where it's a message and as soon as you see it you know the meaning of the message but then oftentimes we through hashtags or through websites if someone is interested in the message 
they can dig deeper and they can learn more about how they can take part in the issue area. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of, we look at it as something, um, the word often is used. I first learned this from one of our artists, Ernesto Llorena, and the word is popular education. Hmm. Mm. That's really interesting. Mm. Like to see art as an entry point for like so many people who might not be interested in like I don't know that topic or like aware of it I mean one thing that comes to mind is during the civil rights movement you had the I am a man posters Mm -hmm. I mean I remember first seeing those as a young kid not really sure like what that meant or I I understood it but I didn't understand like the intense um, purpose of it for that moment mm-hmm. and I just remember that being a big entry point for me for like learning more about the civil rights movement in that era. <laughs> Are there any images that had that effect on you growing up in terms of that image that kind of let you dig deeper into a topic that you might have not looked at before? Yeah, I mean I think it's really similar to you as the I am a man. I mean that was so huge and like you said you saw it and you knew that it was connected to this movement and this struggle and this era. But it's interesting that as time goes on, that image just keeps coming into your head and you keep learning something new about those simple words. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, that's that's really what we see with this artwork is it shifts culture. And therefore, it changes how people interact with one another and it changes how people vote. And so that's the connection between visual art, music, writers. It changes culture and then therefore changes how we view ourselves, view the world around us and take action. That, And so I kind of want to talk about this new campaign that we amplifier just released called we the future and this idea of art being that entry point for a lot of people and mean what better way to reach the next generation by in school so like you want to talk about the we the future campaign and what it's about and where it's going yeah absolutely well first of all thanks so much for collaborating with us on it (laughs) winter is one of our icons in the we the future campaign Um, So the idea really came from, you know, we did the We the People campaign, and that was really about getting people out into the streets. Many people who showed up for the Women's March had never protested before in their life. And, you know, millions of people around the world went out into the streets. And we wanted to create a visual identity um, that really connected us across party lines and created a visual compass so when journalists or the media were out photographing, there was really one united message that Mm. would connect us all across the world. Um, And so for the We The Future campaign, we're really looking at how can we shift from the streets to the classrooms? You know, we had hundreds, if not thousands, of educators emailing us saying, how can we get this artwork in our classroom? Do you have any more tools for how we can have these conversations through a nonpartisan lens? And so through that um, request from Amplifier, it was just a no-brainer that our next campaign should really be um, to support our art educators having nonpartisan conversations around social justice within the classroom but many teachers don't have necessarily the experience of social justice or the language or the lived experience Mm. so we really want to provide teachers with tools to have effective conversations with their students and so the we the future campaign is 
amplifying the voices of 10 youth leaders across the United States from many different issue areas. So it can be gun reform, criminal justice reform, mobilizing the youth vote, immigration justice. And we're creating artwork based off of each of the youth leaders. And then those youth leaders are collaborating with their movements to build lesson plans based off their issue area. And then right now our goal is to get the artwork and the lesson plans into 20,000 classrooms next month. That is so amazing. I mean, I just graduated and I just, I mean, I'm still practically in that like space of still being in K through 12. But I just remember not really seeing any imagery that reflected myself in classrooms, whether it was in our textbooks, whether it was like on the walls, whether it was just the content that we were receiving on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so I think honestly that idea of like there's so there's 10 of us who I mean, look like everybody Mm -hmm. and are going to be on the walls of these classrooms is just so inspiring to think about the little children who are going to be looking at each of us and seeing themselves represented in us. And then also like starting that conversation around Mm -hmm. whether it's voting or climate justice and all those things. So I think that's like the best thing ever. I'm so excited. Thank you. Well, you know, another thing, too, is we believe that communities who are directly impacted by these issue areas are the best people to be leading discussions based off of all of these different issue areas. So the fact that you are going to be able to create a lesson plan that's going to touch hundreds of thousands of students is just so empowering because then what does that say to the students? It says to them that their voice matters and what the knowledge that they have within themselves is valid and important and should be shared. And I mean, one thing I'm also really excited about is like my part within the campaign is focused on like mobilizing the youth vote Mm -hmm. and something I have been very adamant about um, instilling in people when I have a platform to speak about voting and youth is like, why don't we start young Mm -hmm. or start younger? Because what happens is, I mean, youth, I didn't really learn about voting except like once or twice in school. I didn't really know how to go to the ballot or know how to use my voice in that manner. And I think like that's going to be one of the main ways we're able to really shift a whole like new generation of people to vote. I think it's like perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, we look at our political political leaders and they're always looking at like four-year terms or in New Zealand it's a three-year term. Right now we have a prime minister in New Zealand who's the first prime minister who's creating a 30-year plan. You know how can we create a 50-year plan or a 100-year plan and I feel like that's what we're kind of touching on with We the Future is you know it's not necessarily like this hot current event of like this date where we're all going to go out on the streets. This is long-term systematic change that we're trying to do our part in. I think that's amazing. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Sleep Number. Maybe you've heard about the Sleep Number 360 smart bed, but thought you couldn't afford one. But can you afford another restless night's sleep? There's never been a better time to come to a Sleep Number store where it's the ultimate Sleep Number week and you can save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. Lots of couples disagree on mattress firmness. Sleep Number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side so that it's just right for both of you. The new beds are so smart that they sense every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. Come in during the ultimate Sleep Number week and save 50% on your new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. And Queen C2 mattresses are now only $899. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash podcast to find the one nearest you.
Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Vice News' El Chapo podcast. In November, the trial of the century will take place in a courtroom in Brooklyn. The world's most infamous drug kingpin, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, the head of the Sinaloa cartel, will face justice in a case three decades in the making. But this case is about more than just Chapo. It's about the entire war on drugs and the countless lives it has impacted on both sides of the border. To tell the final chapter in the legend of El Chapo, Vice News is launching a new podcast, Chapo, Kingpin on Trial, with versions in both English and Spanish. Over the course of eight episodes, starting November 1st, Vice News will journey across Mexico and the U.S. to meet people affected by Chapo and the drug war. Together with Miguel Angel Vega, a top narco journalist in Mexico, we'll meet heroin traffickers, cartel hitmen, and we'll visit Chapo's hometown to interview members of his family. We'll speak with the DEA agent who captured Chapo, the lawyers who are defending him in court, and we'll speak to former Mexican president Felipe Calderon, whose decision to deploy the military to fight the cartels escalated his country's drug war with deadly consequences. We'll hear from the families shattered by violence, ordinary citizens caught between drug cartels and the Mexican military, explore the myths that surround El Chapo, including his prison escapes and his ill-fated encounter with actors Kate Del Castillo and Sean Penn. Listen to Chapo, Kingpin on Trial, for free, exclusively on Spotify in both English and Spanish. So communities at the center of Amplifier's mission, why is that so important to you guys and how do you make sure that communities are centered? Um, it's so important because for s- representation matters, visibility matters, and it's really important that people who are most directly impacted by issue areas tell their own story. Throughout history, there's been so many voices who are completely deleted, and there's been one central voice that has been telling everyone's story. And so we feel like we can use our platform and our resources to shape and design campaigns in a way where we're not designing for, we're designing with, and we're really giving our microphone to other other people in other communities who might, might not necessarily have the microphone Um, already at birth, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, kind of this idea of, like, I mean, it's in your model of artists create their own art surrounded by what's most impactful to them and not necessarily amplifier going out saying, this is what we not, this is what we need, and then taking that and running with it, but kind of this idea of, like, an open forum where everyone can express themselves, and then, like, you go through and you make sure that, I mean, everything aligns greatly, but everyone's voice is still being, like, represented Right. Yeah. And it's really in the model of how we build campaigns. Um, So something that makes us unique is we use human centered design. Um, So, for instance, with the We the People campaign, we actually gathered groups of people across the country before we even know that it was going to be the words We the People or before we even knew what was going to be on the artwork. We actually gathered communities of people all across the country and we asked a question. And the question was, what do you want to say when the whole world is watching? because we knew there was gonna be this one moment in history where the whole world was gonna be watching. And through those conversations, um, it was really clear that the people wanted to really amplify and uplift and protect the people that were most directly and violently targeted in um, 45's campaign. And so um, 
how how the artwork was commissioned was we hired photographers from the communities who were represented and they photographed folks from the communities who were represented and they actually are the ones who shaped and created the language and so um, the artists were really a tool and a vehicle in order to amplify the messages of the people. I will say too also we're learning how to develop that even further so like for the March for Our Lives campaign when that happened straight away we were like okay how can we work with students who are directly impacted by gun violence um, and how can we tell their story better than we have in the past um, so now it's been really important for us to also do uh, video storytelling as well as the actual artwork to talk more deeply about the process behind the artwork mm -hmm. and to provide different avenues to elevate and amplify the voices of the people who are making this artwork that sounds amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, art historically has been very monumental in shaping conversations and starting conversations. Is there any imagery that you can think of at the top of your head that has really shaped the world or started a national conversation or had a lot of influence on the communities? Yeah, I will always remember the first time I saw Emery Douglas's artwork from the Black Panthers. Um, and recently I've been working with some folks in Seattle who started a social justice library called Estelita's Library in Beacon Hill. And um, Edwin, who runs that, he is currently in the process of collecting all of the Black Panthers newspapers that have ever been produced um, because there is actually no one archive that we know of um, in the world that collects all of the newspapers. And so this was really, the Black Panthers was, at one point they had a distribution of 175,000 people all across the country and they were creating their own newspaper to really mark the history of what was happening to their people. And Emory Douglas was um, on the Arts Council for this party and he created the front page covers of every single newspaper. Oh, wow. Um, and so just that historical reference and you see, you know, you see Shepard Fairey's artwork and how really his artwork was so influenced by all of these incredible artists who came before him. And Emery Douglas is just one of the greats. And I, yeah, he's so amazing. And I mean, something that kind of touches on what you just talked about is this idea of like, when it comes to media and art and those various mediums of expression it's like so important that communities are able to write their own story because, I mean, as we saw with like the Black Panther Party, I mean, what I read about them in my history textbooks was like nothing compared to like what I learned and understood after like visiting Oakland, California and really learning the history. So like this idea of people writing their own stories and it also being distributed so that when it goes down in history, there is this solidification of like what actually happened and it's coming from the voice of those who've lived and witnessed it what did that impact at all like the mission of amplifier and like the name to me amplifier just means like amplifying and amplification of the voices of others how did like that influence the mission so Amplifier really came to be because we were seeing all of these incredible, powerful movements across the country that are happening right now. And we were going to their website and we were looking more into their work. And one thing that they were 
lacking at the time when we founded Amplifier was they didn't have any strong visuals or graphics to really bring their messages into popular culture. Um, so that's how Amplifier was founded. Um, and the inspiration for Amplifier comes from, yes, of course, all of these incredible artists throughout history, but also contemporary movements like Culture Strike, Just Seeds Collective, um, the Center for Political Graphics, the Center for the Study of Political Graphics in Los Angeles, the Interference Archive in New York, um, these incredible grassroots archives, which are really documenting the power of the people and like you said in school that's not you're not really feeling empowered and you're not really being taught about these movements that have changed and shaped history and i definitely feel that is very intentional you know it yeah. wasn't until um you know a few years ago in my master's program that i learned about the young lords and wow. they're arguably the most powerful youth movement of history and when you talk to people, like no one's really heard of them. And I feel like that is very intentional. That definitely, that goes into this idea of this new campaign called We the Future and how we're putting art into schools. And I think if you would like to talk about that, that'd be great. Yeah, and I do just wanna say too that, you know, it's just really important for us to realize that what we're doing right now is nothing new. And there is a long lineage of people who have used art for communication and art for visibility and empowerment and to mobilize people towards action. And so it, every single day, I am just trying to learn as much as I can from history because the last thing I wanna do is just repeat what's already happened and, yeah. then, and then die and make no progress. It's like, I really wanna learn about what has been done in the past so that I can really build on top of that. That's something too that I have been in communication with like all my mentors is about this idea of like, I don't know, people say it all the time, like history repeats itself, but to me it's like a very complacent saying in the sense of why should it, why should it repeat itself if we're actually like learning and evolving and moving and with and the current that's already like being pushed around and also like building on the shoulders of those who have come before us. So I think that's also like a really good thing to know. Yeah, and that's why it's so powerful that we have the internet these days because back in the day we didn't have access to this information, but now that we do, it's really on us yeah. to learn. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Just go to stitchfix.com slash crookedconvos and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on, pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or you can get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash crookedcondos and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash crookedcondos to get started today. stitchfix.com slash crookedcondos. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Okay. 
Amplifiers are has been seen globally, especially within the past two years, and it's been very monumental within like the Women's March, the March for Our Lives, and the We the People campaign. Do you have any like numbers surrounding its reach? Yeah, so we were doing some analytics actually recently, and we feel like potentially we've distributed more artwork in the last three years than any other nonprofit in history. Um, we have had millions and millions of downloads of our artwork on our website. We've distributed millions of pieces of artwork around the world and we've commissioned hundreds like close to thousands of artworks over the last five years so that is so pretty exciting yeah and we're doing a lot more analytics of um the demographics of like who we're commissioning and how much we're paying everyone and it's really our goal to pay artists really well and to commission artists directly impacted by the issue areas that we're working on. So we're really hoping to support, I mean, the artists are so key to this and it's really hard for artists to survive and do this sort of political work. Um, so we're always looking for more ways that we can really support and nurture artists um, through our work, but then also through our networks and our communities. That's dope. That's amazing. Yeah, we love you guys. You artists are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that like the Cricket audience can do to help amplify the We the Future campaign? Um, well, if you're an educator, know that this is a free resource. So you can go to education.amplifier.org and you can sign up for free. Um, right now, I think we have around 5,000 educators signed up in this program. Um, the campaign's open for three more weeks. So we're hoping to get to our 20,000 teacher mark. So tell your friends, tell your tell your students. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation yeah, with thank me. You. I love Cleo and happy birthday again. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this Crooked Conversation with Cleo Barnett. There will be another Crooked Conversation next week.